0: Happy Sabbath. It's a great blessing uh, to stand before you and it's a privilege to share uh, the story of Jesus and what he has done in my life personally. And once again, it's not my story, it's the story of Jesus Christ. His love, his power and his grace to carry us through whatever experience that we are going through. And As I continue to share my testimony from prison, I pray that Jesus will be uplifted, that you'll be drawn closer to him, that we will renew our commitment to God. And this is my prayer. Um, Last week, I shared the background and the reason why I had to go to prison, um, and the situation in South Korea. Uh, For those uh, who, was not here last week, I'll just briefly explain. Uh, in South Korea, uh, we have this military requirement for two years. For every single male that's born in that country, it's not a voluntary service, it's a mandatory service. And after much prayer, I decided to request for alternative service. And to refuse to go through this training where I'll be basically trained to kill other people's life if necessary but the government rejected my request and they sent me to prison with one and a half year of sentence and um, the first couple weeks of prison life uh, perhaps was the hardest time of my entire life i have never been treated in that way before and also i have never been surrounded with uh, people that are so cruel, so rude, and very unkind to Christians. So it was a very different experience, and yet God had purpose in placing me, especially into that cell where there were so many anti-Christians surrounding me. So I'm going to continue my testimony from there. But before I do so, I just want to remind you, few principles that I brought out. The first principle, is there anybody that remember? What was the first principle? How can we stand up faithful to God no matter what circumstances we are in? How can we be true to principles that God has taught us as Christians? What is the first principle? That's exactly right. We have to commit ahead of the time for doing the right thing. We cannot wait until we hit the crisis. We have to commit every day on our knees, not by our own strength, but by the strength of Jesus Christ, that we will be faithful to God, no matter what circumstances it may be. So every morning as we make up, we have to kneel down and we have to gain that victory by committing ourselves ahead of the time. So That's the first step. What was the second principle? That's very good, yes. We have to realize that suffering is prize for committing to Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't be afraid of sufferings or trials or tragedies that happens when we commit to Jesus Christ. Because that's the prize when we commit to Jesus Christ. And I went through a few reasons why God allows those sufferings in our lives. There are many reasons. He wants to refine our characters. He wants to test our faith. He wants to use that as a tool to shape us and mold us uh, to become like him. And also, using that circumstances as one of the greatest tools in witnessing to others and bringing other people into the kingdom of God. Um, I'm going to continue my testimonies. You know, first couple days... And that cell was very discouraging. And it led me really closer to God and to depend upon him completely. And I've been praying to God, Lord, please help me. Uh, Please use me in this cell. I don't know why these people are so against God and Christians. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know what they've gone through. I don't understand uh, all the things that that happened to them. But Lord, please use me as a humble instrument. speak to these people and show your love towards them and as I was praying I remember you know (laughs) the toilet is very primitive Uh, it's about the size of this much so you barely walk in right and you close the door and you barely have any room and you sit down underneath there is a hole very smelly and (laughs) um, very unclean and you take your of your business there, and of course you take shower there too. Uh, there's a little faucet there. You turn on the water and then you take shower there. Um, but there was a bar in that toilet. If you look up on the ceiling, there was a bar, iron bar, and through that uh, little iron window, uh, through the bars, I could see uh, the stars and the moon. During the day, I could see the sun. And I remember praying every day and night. Uh, when I come to the point, it's really hard for me to take all these trials and the way people treat me. I go to the toilet and shut the door. And I look at the skies. And I look at all the stars or this moon. And I pray to God, Lord, you know, almighty God of the universe, there's not there's nothing that I can give to you because I I don't have much money I don't have reputation fame I don't have you know good cars or nice houses there's nothing that I can give to you so I I will give you all that I have all that I have is my heart and my life so take this and use use it as you will And please I want to live this one life that you have given to me for your glory and for your kingdom. So please use me. Give me some how to deal with these people and use me in this room. And, you know, after a few weeks, things start to change in that room. God started to work in that room mightily. It was amazing. Uh, for the time's sake, I'm not going to share every details. but people start to change in their attitudes. They stopped mocking me. They stopped cursing God or mocking God. They became serious. And they start to ask me different questions. How do you know God really exists? Uh, if God really exists, then why he, would he allow me to come this far? I just killed one person and came into this room. Why does he allow me to go through this? And he started to ask, People start to ask all different questions the struggles that they are going through. And in fact, the leader of that room, the boss of that room, every cell has a boss. And the boss of that room who was giving me so hard time, even if I open up the Bible and just read it. Uh, he was just giving me so hard time. But that boss asked me, what is your favorite chapter from your Bible? Can you read that chapter for us? So I selected a chapter and read for them. And they said, I don't like that. (laughs) Can you read another chapter for us? (laughs) So I read it. I don't like that either. Can you read another chapter? So I went uh, throughout the day reading different chapters of the Bible. And every morning I would read a chapter for them. And one day, this boss came up to me and just handed me a letter that he wrote. And he told me, read it. So I opened up the letter and I started to read it. And as I was reading through, tears started to flow in my eyes. And I began to understand why, out of all the cells, out of all the prison in Korea, why God has put me right there. This is what he said. Uh, This uh, boss of that cell, (laughs) he said, you know what? Uh, 20 years ago, I was in army and in that army I was a young man 20 years ago and I remember one day one of my uh, fellow soldiers was being beaten to death, almost being beaten to death by the officers, just being kicked and you know, slapped and you know they would bring the stick and then just beat him like, like a dog. And I was asking people why why the officers are beating this young man so hard. And then uh, I was told that this young man was a Seventh-day Adventist. And he was refusing to work or be trained on Saturday. And he was being almost half to death. And then he remembered, he said, that very young man came up to me and then witnessed to me. Uh, appealed to me accept God, and I refused. And ever since, for 20 years I've been wondering, trying to find the purpose of life, and I finally ended up in this prison. And you know what? The very first day you walked in through that uh, iron door of this cell, as soon as you walked in, somehow, someway, it reminded me of that young man that I met 20 years ago in the army. And I thought to myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a Christian guy. I wouldn't be surprised even if this is a Seventh-day Adventist young man. And as he got to know me, I remember one day he asked me, are you a Seventh-day Adventist? I told him, yeah. And I remember him being very shocked. And then he was explaining that letter. What are the chances that after 20 years, when I'm in this prison, that another seven-day young man will walk into my very cell and witness to me. And he says, maybe God is giving me another chance. What, what do you think? And there was different amazing things happening in that cell. But I must say that God had a reason for placing me in that place. And to cut the story short, after a couple of weeks, I was moved to another place because now I had to uh, work as a prisoner. In prison, they place you, after a couple of weeks, they place you into different workstations. Because they don't want you to just be idle in the room all the time. So after a few weeks, uh, when we are warmed up, (laughs) they place us into different uh, workstations. The first workstation that I was placed was uh, caretaker. I became a caretaker. In prison, what we do as a caretaker is basically we'll be assigned to a certain uh, building and we'll be just cleaning up that building and every morning, 6 o'clock, we'll go out and we'll come back 6 in the evening, so 12 hours a day we'll be just working Cleaning, making sure everything is nice and clean, and when the meal time comes, breakfast, lunch, and supper, we'll be the ones that's going through cell to the cell and handing those uh, meals to the prisoners. And if they need any water, and they call us and we go and provide the water. That was our role as a caretaker. Now, I knew I had to face the Sabbath issue because uh, there was no day off. I had to work every single day, seven days a week. But I had no problem with handing the meals and providing the need uh, for the prisoners. I had no problem with that. But when it comes to regular cleaning on Sabbath day, I knew I had to now face the Sabbath issue. So the very first day I was assigned as a caretaker, I went up to see my boss. Uh, He was another prisoner. He was the head of the caretakers in that building. So I told him, um, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist and... uh, I cannot work on Saturdays, so I want you to know that you know, if it's possible, I want to be exempted from uh, doing the regular cleaning day, uh, cleaning things like that. And then he looked at me, he's like, what's your name? I said, I'm Sung Hoon. And he said, Sung I think you are very seriously mistaken. They said, do you even realize where you are at right now? Do you realize who you are? You are in prison. That means you are a prisoner, which means you are a slave, which means you are to do whatever you are told to do, and you have no option, you have no choice. But just do whatever you are told to do. And I don't want to hear this foolishness any longer, so don't ever bring this back to me again, and go back and do your work. Um, The principle number three that I want to share with you How can we be true to God no matter what circumstances we are in? Principle number three. We have to recognize that we are free moral agents possessing the freedom of choice. No matter where you are, no matter who you are with, we do have the freedom of choice. you know, I people. I hear people saying, you know, I had no choice, but I was forced against my will. And some people say, I was simply following others, you know, I had no choice. Or some people even say, the devil made me to do this. Or I hear people saying, it's in my genes. My dad did this, you know, it's in my genes and I cannot help it. That is wrong. We have to realize you do have a choice. You know, see, people may try to force you. Satan and his angels may persuade persuade you and try to force you, but the final person that makes the decision is you. It's not other people. It's not Satan. It's you. God has given each one of us a freedom of choice, a willpower, and even God himself cannot go against our will. There is the strongest thing in this world that is the willpower. I want you to understand that we do have a choice, no matter where you are, no matter who you may be. Even you are, if you are a prisoner or a slave, you do have a freedom of choice. The reason why a lot of people say, I didn't have a choice but do this, you know, and I had to do this, I was forced against my will. The reason why people make that excuse is because they are not willing to pay the price. But you have to remember that you do have a choice I hear people saying no I had to sleep in my fiance because he said he's gonna break up on me if I don't do it so I had no choice no you do have a choice and with that choice you have a price to pay and that's your fiance but you can make the right decision and some people say you know you know <laughs> I have to work on Saturday or Friday nights because if I don't, you know, I'll be fired and then who's gonna take care of my children? Well, you do have a choice. With that choice you have price to pay. If you turn your Bible to James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. The Bible tells us the real reason why people compromise or their sin. It's not because we do not have a freedom of choice. But this is what the Bible says in James chapter one, verse 14 and 15. If you are there, let's read that together, one, two, three. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth. The Bible tells us, the real reason why we sin or compromise is because of the lustful of our own heart. It's not because we didn't have a choice. Just think about Joseph. He was a prisoner, right? And he was a slave. Now when Potiphar's wife tempted him, he had all the excuses that he could make. So he could have said, you know, I'm just a slave. I'm just to do whatever the master tells me to do. So here is the master's wife telling me to lie with her. So what can I do? If I don't do, I'm going to lose my life, right? I may die. Then how can God fulfill the dream that he had given to me? So now I have no choice but go with this woman. No, he had a choice. Even when he was a slave. And he's, what did he say? How can I... St- do this great sin against God. And he turned away left as a slave. He had a choice. See, a lot of the young people today, if we are in that situation, we'll make all kinds of excuses, right? I'm sure that Potiphar's wife, one of the most favorite uh, the bodyguards of Pharaoh himself, I'm sure his wife was beautiful and young. One of the most beautiful young ladies in Egypt, right? And here comes that young beautiful lady, tempting. I'm sure a lot of the young people today would just say, you know what? I had no choice. You <laughs> know, you know, what can I do? After all, I'm just a slave here, right? God <laughs> will understand. And then go with her, right? The Bible tells us the reason is because of the lustful of our heart. That's why we sin and compromise. But we have to understand that we do have a freedom of choice. So when this head caretaker told me that I had no choice because I'm in prison, because I'm in a special environment, now I have to go with whatever they told me to do. I had to tell him. In a gentle, nice way, but firm way, I just looked at his eyes. I told him, I want you to know that I do understand I'm in prison, and I do understand I'm a prisoner. But that does not mean that now I can go against God. Just because I'm in a prison, That doesn't mean that I can now compromise. I want you to know that I do have freedom of choice, and I will not work on the Saturdays no matter what happens. (laughs) You can imagine uh, the head caretaker was very angry. (laughs) When he heard that, he was just furious. He said, what did you just say? And he said, are you in your mind? And he said, now I'm going to go right away and report you to the officers. You know what's going to happen to you? And this is what he said. you're gonna be punished right away and you're gonna be sent to the isolated cell. And you're gonna be taken away from everything that you have and all the privileges that you have will be taken away. And then when I heard that, I like, what privileges do I have? <laughs> and then he said, like, the privileges like, you know, parents being able to come and visit you, uh, privileges like you being able to write letters to your friends and families, privileges like, you know, uh, you can purchase different things in the prison, everything will be taken away from you. Once you are punished, once you are sent to that isolated cell, everything will be taken away from you. And in fact, this is what's going to happen to you. You lose the opportunity to get out three months earlier. When I heard that, I said, excuse me, what did you just say? And then he said, you're going to lose that opportunity to get out three months earlier. You do have an opportunity. To get out three months earlier, if you're lucky, if you don't get punished, if you behave, you'll get, you'll actually get out three months earlier. When I heard that, you know, everything started to flash in my mind. You know, all the hardship that I went through. You know, all that, you know, primitive cell and being locked up in the prison for just 24 hours, seven uh, days a week, just same place, same people, being suffocated, and that. Primitive toilet and that cold, icy shower every winter, night and morning in that toilet. You know, (laughs) it was amazing. In the winter, of course, there is no hot uh, water, right? So, when I try to take shower, if I turn on the faucet, it's like ice water. It's not just cold, it's just ice water. So, I have to prepare myself like five minutes. Just embrace myself, someone, oh, you're going to do this, you have to do this, you know, <laughs> just calm down, okay, these two shall pass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then I would just sit there for five minutes just shaking, and then pour the water, as soon as I pour the water, right, my whole body just shakes uncontrollably, and I cannot even speak, and then I just have to rub my muscles to generate some heat, and then put some soap, and then once again I pour another bucket, and then when I come out of the shower, my <laughs> lips are blue. <laughs> and most of the people don't take shower in prison during the winter. And, but I'm a person, I cannot go to bed or start the day without taking a bath. So uh, everything just flushed. And the meals, most of the meals are uh, meat, and I'm a vegan. <laughs> and there was hardly anything that I could eat. And I was thinking, like, if I live a like, couple more months, I'll be so skinny. And <laughs> my parents wouldn't be able to recognize me anymore. And probably I'll die malnutrition. And everything just started to flash in my mind. And then I became confused. And I started to think, you know what? It's already hard being here. I already have done my work. I've stood up for God. This is enough. You know, God will understand. Um, after all, no, no one knows even I'm a Seventh-day Adventist here. I'm the only one. <laughs> There's no other people. And probably maybe this head caretaker is right. Um, you know, maybe I'm being just too extreme. You know, I'll just go with the flow. I'll just obey the rule of the prison. I'll just behave. And I got very confused of what to do. You know, the next principle I want to share with you. How can we be true to God no matter what circumstance we are in? How can we be faithful to Him? We have to recognize that fear or the lack of faith is the reason why we so often fail. Fear or the lack of faith is the reason why we so often fail. You know, Patrick's and Prophets 657, this is what... Uh, The inspiration tells us every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. Every time when we compromise or fail or sin against God, it's because we lack faith. You know, uh, Sanctified Life, page 39, this is what it says. True Christian principle will not stop weigh consequences. Did you hear that? True Christian principle will not stop to weigh the consequences. It does not ask what will people think of me if I do this or how will it affect my worldly prospects if I do that. With the most intense longing, the children of God desire to know what he would have them do, that their works may be glorifying. A true Christian never stops and think, upon the consequences in following the will of God. No, no, no. We don't have to be afraid of the consequences or what what man can do to us. Remember Abraham, the father of faith, right? What is the reason why he failed and lied? Because he was afraid of what man can do to him, right? He was afraid of the consequences. And when he thought about the consequences, he got confused. And then you know what? I'm gonna just lie about my wife. After all, he's my sister anyways. So I'm gonna just say she's my sister. The reason why he failed is because he was afraid of the consequences. And the reason why we so often fail in our Christian walk and compromise, and we are so weak, whenever the wind blows, we just fall down everywhere, every direction. The reason is because we are so afraid of the consequences. But turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 1, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 28, let's look at verse 1. And if you are there, let's read together. One, two, three. The wicked flee when no man pursue it. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. They are not afraid of anything. They are not afraid of men, or they are not afraid of consequences. And that's how we should be as Christians. We should never think upon the consequences in following the will of God. See, that's not our problem. That's God's problem. Our problem is to simply find out what is God's will for my life in this situation and faithfully carrying it out, leaving the consequences in God's hand. But what do we do? So many times this is what we do. We try to figure out the consequences, right? Okay, if I lose my job, who's going to take care of my children? Now we try to figure out every detail of the consequences. While that's not our problem, that's God's problem. That's His part to take care of it. It's not our part. If we say we start, if I don't you know consent with my boyfriend, he's gonna break up on me. That's not your problem. You have to leave that consequence in God's hand. If that's the person God has ordained for you, if you follow God somehow, some way he's gonna bring it together. Why are we trying to figure out all the consequences? Why that's not our problem. And allow those consequences to be cloud our mind to the point where we start to compromise. But as Christians, we should be bold as a lion. And you know what? When I was thinking upon those consequences, as I told you, I got so confused of what to do. And I had to stop and refuse to think upon those things. I prayed, Lord, I'm confused right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right anymore. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop right now. And I'm going to refuse to think upon the consequences. Because this is making me afraid. And I'm going to just simply follow what you told me to do. And you take care of the consequences. And no matter what the consequences may be, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to have faith in you. So I told the head caretaker, even if that's what's going to happen to me, I want you to know that no matter what, I'm not going to break the Sabbath day. And he was just so angry. And he was like, okay, just get ready to pack all your stuff and be sent to isolate cell and just be locked up there uh, by yourself and uh, be punished. I'm not going to go up to the officers and report you. So he went up to the officers and came back. He said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. Okay. So they're all packed. I said, I'm all packed. And then he said, but you don't have to go. And I looked at him, what do you mean you said I'm, I'm going to be punished? He said, you're not going to be punished. I said, why? He said, because I'm a head caretaker. And then he said, a head caretaker only gets one day off uh, every week, and that's Saturday. And I'm going to give my day off to you. that You can keep your Sabbath day, I'm going to work instead of you. And when I heard that, I knew it was a miracle. I could not believe my ears. I said, how did you do this, Lord? You know, what changed his heart? He doesn't know me. He doesn't have to do this. He's not going to receive any reward for doing this. He, doesn't, he has no reason for doing this. And yet somehow God changed his hardened heart. And on that time when he was going to report me to the officers, somehow God worked in his heart to the point he had to turn back come back. He say, you know what? I'm going to give off my day off to you so that you can keep the Sabbath day. Do you see that? Whenever we are willing to stand up for God as bold as a lion, leaving the consequences in God's hand, when we honor God, He steps in and he says, you honor me, now you watch what I can do for you. And miracle after miracles throughout all the time in prison, I witnessed every time I stand up for God, God was able to take care of the consequences. It was amazing. Anyways, after a couple um, days, I, I was so grateful to God and to this man who gave up his only day of rest as a head caretaker. Um, I did my best in every single thing that was in my hand. So if I have to clean the floor, I would just lay down on the floor, and then just you know, mop the floor with all my strength. And if uh, there's uh, no work, I would find things to do. And you know, just clean everything that I do, I just do my best. And you can imagine, very quickly, uh, this building became one of the cleanest buildings in the entire prison. <laughs> and the officers were very happy about this head caretaker, who is taking care of this building so nicely. And in return, of course, the head was very happy about me. <laughs> so he called me one day, he said, you know what, I've never seen a prisoner working so hard like you. But I'm so happy. And I really like you. And then he said, you know what, uh, this is going to happen to us after a couple of weeks. After every month, they switch all the prisoners around so no two prisoners can work together for so long. So by the polish of this prison, we'll be separated again at the end of this month. But I like you so much, so uh, if you are okay, I want to take you to the, I want to go to the office and ask a special permission, so I can take you to the new work uh, station that I'm placed in so you can work with me. And that way you can keep your Sabbath day. Yeah. And most likely not other people will give the favor that I give to you. So if it's okay with you, I want to do that. I said, "Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. So somehow, <laughs> once again, God worked out the miracle, and he got the special permission. So he came back and then that's exactly what happened. When everybody was switched around, I was able to go with him and he gave me his Sabbath off. Now, but after a few weeks, one day out of blue, the officers came to uh, me and they said, you, you are being transferred to other workstation. I said, other workstation? I said, yeah, you'll become a barber now. So uh, I told the officer, I don't know how to cut it, I've never cut anyone's hair in my life. And they said, it doesn't matter, you will learn, come, pack your stuff, you are a barber now. So I, I followed the officers and I went to this prison barber shop, there were five of us, and there were 1,500 prisoners in that prison, and there were only five barbers. So uh, I would keep, keep thinking myself, what is happening? What is God doing? What are you doing, Lord? You know, I, everything was taken care of in that caretaker. And I was, you know, comfortable and being set there. And now I'm in a new environment as a barber. So the first morning I went there and all the rest of the barbers, they were like, Okay, uh, here's your scissors, here's your clippers. We are going out. We have a busy day today. We gotta cut a lot of hairs. And I told them, well, I don't know how to cut hair. You got to train me. And they said, well, uh, you'll learn as go, time goes by. So I'm just following that. I, I told you I never cut anyone's hair. I don't know what I'm doing. It's OK. You'll learn. <laughs> so I remember the first customer that came to me. He was a big, huge gangster with the tattoo all over his body. A scary looking gangster, just walking like this, right? And They sat before me. Hey, dude. And he's like, um, and like, uh, in the front, I want this style. On the top, I want that style. On the side, I want that style. At the back, I want that style. You got it?" And then I told him, um, "Excuse me, sir. I, this is my first day of uh, my <laughs> haircut." And they say, "It's okay. You'll do. you fine. You know, just do your best." I said, "I've never cut any other hair before." And he said, "Well, just try. You'll. You'll do fine." So I gave my best. It took a while. And when I was done, he looked at the mirrors. He put his eyeglass and then he looked at the mirrors. And then he started to just laugh. Right? So I looked at the mirrors and I started to laugh too. So we're just laughing at him. He's laughing at himself. And then he looked at me and said, just shave it. so, So I shaved his head, right? As I was shaving, he said, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, what, what, why am I here? You know? And then I was looking at this guy, Lord, you know, look at this, <laughs> what am I doing here? And then you can imagine, um, most of the customers that came after him shaved their heads. <laughs> <laughs> and I was shaving one next to the other, <laughs> and just keep telling myself, you know, what am I doing here? You know, I don't know what, what am I doing, and you know, I don't know how to cut the hair. There's gotta be a purpose in placing me here. There got to be a reason why I am here now. And there was. Uh, There are several blessings. First of all, God knew how hard it was for me to take the cold shower. So, you know, barbers, right? After hard day of work, you know, cutting everybody's hair, we are just covered with hair. So they don't allow us to go back to our cell unless we take a shower. And there is a public shower that everybody can only go there once a week. And that public shower has a warm water. And every day they require us to go to that public shower and wash off before we go into our cell. So that was a blessing because it was winter and every day I was able to take a warm shower. (laughs) And there were so many other things, but there was other blessings. But I just want to share a uh, few stories. Other blessing was this. One of the hardest things for me in the first couple of weeks in prison is because uh, when I was going through school outside, right, in the society, um, whenever I had hard uh, experience, whenever somebody treats me hard, or you know, whenever I'm going through hard times, in my Christian experience, I had a secret place of prayer where I always run to. And I just kneel down there, just pour everything to God. Sometimes in tears, everything that's going in my heart, I would just talk to God and agonize with God. And every time in that secret place of prayer, God would come down. I could almost feel his presence just putting his hand around my shoulder and then comforting me, talking to me. And every time when I come out of that secret place of prayer, I was encouraged and I came out uh, as a better Christian. And I love that place and even though I was going through school, whenever something happens, I will always run to that place, secret place. I just pray and pour down my heart to God. But what the hardest thing was uh, in prison, there was no such place. And yes, I used the toilet, but I couldn't stay there so long because people you know think that I'm committing suicide or something, so uh, they're called guard or something. so that was one of the hardest things, and I could sing I couldn't pray aloud and all those things, but you know, uh, when I became a barber, because I was the youngest, or you know, because I was the uh, one of the uh, newest one there. They told me they tried to give me hard time. They say every morning you gotta clean up that public shower all by yourself. We're gonna give you half an hour every morning. So before we get ready for our day, you gotta go there and then clean up the shower every morning by yourself. So every morning I went in there <laughs> with my you know, broom and my mop and all that gloves, cleaning. You know things. And I would scrub the floor every day of the shower, and nobody was there. And I started to realize, you know what? Maybe I can sing here. (laughs) So I started to sing hymns, right? Oh, I can pray here. So I would pray, right? You know what? I can actually talk to God here. So no one is listening to me. No one is watching me. So I would pray to God every morning as I was cleaning up, right? And then that became my secret place of prayer. And you know, it came to the point every morning when I enter into the shower room, I open the shower room door, enter in, and in the, in the morning you have all this, I don't know, there was this mist, mist, I think because of the steam or whatever. And then I could almost feel the presence of God right there. And I, sometimes I was, I was so overwhelmed. When I enter the door, I, was, I would be so overwhelmed by his presence. I just had to kneel down on that floor of the public shower, just prayed to God, and uh, it has been the one of the greatest blessings. But uh, at this moment, I'm gonna play a song. Uh, uh, in fact, this song is very special to me because every morning in that public shower, as I was cleaning up, this is the very song that I sang every morning, and this is uh, found in hymn chapter 400. 92, I want you to meditate upon the words as I play this song uh, and let this be our prayer. Like Jesus. 492. Teach me Father what to say. Teach me Father, how to pray. Teach me all along the way how to be like Jesus. I would be like Jesus. Help me, Lord, daily, to daily grow more and more like Jesus.